Hi, welcome to the New Story Church podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. We're so glad that we can celebrate that today, that he is the resurrected king and that he, as we were saying, he turns graves into gardens. So thank you for being here with us. You can take a seat. Uh, you can go ahead, get comfortable. Um, I, I have to admit, last night I was thinking through what what could I wear today? And this is I, this is like my spring colored sweater. And I was like, this will, this will be good. And I didn't check the weather. And then I woke up and I was like, it doesn't really feel like spring right now. So this is a little bit out of context. Uh, I apologize for that. Uh, but I want to let you know that I am wearing this and declaring that spring will be here. Spring is coming. Spring will be here. I've watched another, enough television pastors. I'll just declare it, and it'll come into existence eventually, right? So, uh, but anyway, spring is coming. It's going to be here. And uh, thank you for, for making it through the snow today. Thank you for getting here today, whether it's in person or online. If you're online, you didn't have to fight the snow, but still thank you for joining us. And we're so grateful that every one of you is here with us today. We were just in a series called The Spirit Within, and we were talking about the Holy Spirit, and this week was supposed to be the fourth part of that series. And I, I always have a concept going into every week. As I mentioned last week, I planned way ahead for my messages. And I got to Monday morning, and I had this concept, and I was trying to put it together. And I just felt like whatever, I had writer's block or God wasn't doing something with it. And I was starting to get really frustrated. And I got to Monday afternoon, and I was thinking, I don't have a message right now. And I was starting to get really worked up about it. It was only Monday, so I had plenty of time, but I like to have my messages all written out in a manuscript on Monday. And I was getting really frustrated and I felt like God gave me an idea with one verse and I'll go to that verse in just a moment. But it, then I started writing and it wasn't a full idea. And I was like, oh, this is so frustrating. And so I got up Tuesday morning and I was reading through the book of Acts and I was in Acts chapter 10. And I really felt God speaking to me in that passage with the other idea that I had. And I was like, you know what? This isn't the spirit within, but this is another series. And I believe the Holy Spirit has led me to this. And so this message is, I guess it's really not even a series. Today's message is more so going to stand on its own. But I believe it's a special message for our church today as we continue to move forward and become the church that God has called us to be. So the spirit within, that's going to be on hold for a while. Maybe we'll come back to it one day. Uh, But today we have some some really cool stuff that I believe we're going to look at today in Philippians chapter 1 and in Acts. Acts chapter 10. And so first I want to start with the first verse that I felt like God was kind of speaking to me with was Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 where Paul is sitting in prison and he writes this to the church at Philippi. He said, for I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it into the day of Christ Jesus. That he who began a good work, he who started something within you is going to bring that to perfection in the day of Christ Jesus. And as I was thinking through this verse and I was thinking about the season that our church was in, I felt like maybe I was looking at things the wrong way. Because in January, we had a series on God the Father, then then February, God the Son, and, and in March, God the Holy Spirit. And I was really looking at it as, oh, we are ending something, so now we can go start something else. And I was brought to Philippians 1.6. And I felt like what God was sharing and laying on my heart was that, yes, we've covered a lot of ground in those first three series of the year, but it's not the end of something. In fact, he is just getting started. God is just getting started in what he wants to do in this church. 
And so he who began a good work, God is just getting started. He is just beginning something. He is bringing about new creation within this church and within each and every one of our lives. And we're not at the end of anything. He is just getting started. So over the first three months of this year, we may have covered a lot of ground, but we're just getting started. We as a church, we may have been meeting now for a year and a half, which is crazy to think about, but God is just getting started in what he wants to do in this church. Some of you, you may have been with us this entire year and a half that we've been doing this. God is just getting started with what it is that he wants to do in your life. Some of you, you may, this might be your first time here, or it might be your second or third time here, and it took a lot of effort to come through these doors and to get here and think, oh, am I going to meet anybody? What are people going to think? Because it can be kind of intimidating to go to a new church. And it took a lot of effort to get here, but you're here, and I want you to know that God is just getting started with what it is that he's doing in your life. Some of you, you've been in church almost all of your life. You've been in church for decades And sometimes we get so caught up in just the religious practice, it's easy to just get content with what we've been doing in church. Oh, you know, I know this, and I know, you know, oh, I just know, I know what I'm supposed to do now. And I, I would ask that you would pray about having a new perspective today, that while God has already done a lot in your life and he has been faithful, maybe be open to the idea that he is just getting started with a new thing that he is now doing within you as well. That our God is a God who is just getting started. He is beginning a new work within us and he is going to bring that to completion in Christ Jesus. But may we have open hearts and open minds to just get started and see that he is doing a new thing. He is the God of the new and he is always doing a new thing within us and around us. Earlier this week, I was listening to an interview with the legend Arnold Schwarzenegger. And And yes, it was on the Logan Paul podcast. And no, I don't listen to Impulsive on a regular basis for those of you who might be concerned about me listening to Logan Paul. That is not a regular thing. I just saw that Arnold Schwarzenegger was on the podcast and I said, I got to listen to this because Arnold, I mean, who doesn't love the Terminator and Commando and all of these great movies? But anyways, I'm listening to this interview with Arnold Schwarzenegger and he's 75 years old now. And he was talking about the importance of always growing and learning and how he started out as a bodybuilder And then he got into acting and he would do action movies. And then at one point in his career, he decided, I want to start trying some comedic roles. like Twins, Junior, Kindergarten, Cop, Jingle All the Way, all of these wonderful movies. And he he did these. And then after that, he said, I realized I needed to do something else. That's when he got into politics and he became what many of us know now as the governor of California. Remember, he was, he was the gov- And then after that, <laughs> that's a good dad joke right there. But anyways, he decided after that that he wanted to continue to do more stuff. And he talked about at 75, he's still learning art and he's learning how to do new things and, and he's always trying something new. And he said, as you grow older, you begin to discover many different sides of yourself. And I thought that was just such a helpful insight, specifically for us as people of faith. It can be really easy for us to get caught up in the routine of faith, the religious practices of faith, the, oh, you know what? I know everything there is to know about God and I go to church and I read my Bible, but you know what? I'm just good staying right here. But I wonder if it would be better if we adopted a view of, wait, there is more to discover. There is more to discover about how I'm made and who God desires for me to be. There's more to discover about who God is. There is more to see about his work and there's more that we're being invited into, that there are many different sides that God not only wants to develop in you as an individual, but God also wants to develop in us collectively as his church. 
that we aren't just supposed to get stuck in this is how it is and this is how, but, but there are many different sides to be growing and learning. And so I want us to be a people who adopt this perspective of we are just getting started because we always want to be growing and learning and discovering the many different sides of who it is that God has created us to be. That was, that was where I was at in Philippians 1. And then, as I said, I was brought into Acts chapter 10. And in Acts chapter 10, it, you'd think, hey man, the church, Acts chapter 1 through 9, a lot has already happened. But when we get to Acts chapter 10, we see that what God is doing within his church, he is really just getting started. If you're unfamiliar with the book of Acts, basically this takes place right after the resurrection of Jesus. He ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit is sent, and the church is now being built. The first iteration of the church is being built. And like I said, 1 through 9, a lot happens. But with what we see in Acts chapter 10, we see that God is truly just getting started. That this new work that he is beginning, he is just beginning it. And this church is about to discover many different sides and angles of who it is that they are to become. Because in Acts 10, we're introduced to a character by the name of Cornelius. He's a Roman centurion. And, and in this context, because he was, a, he was a Gentile, it would have been thought, is, is what God doing in the world really for somebody like him? That, that would have been some of the thoughts that would have been surrounding people. But when we're introduced to Cornelius, we see that he's actually already in relationship with God. He knows God, he's believed in Christ, and he's having an experience with God. And God sends a vision to Cornelius. It says, hey, Cornelius, go get Peter and bring him to where you are. This Romans, he says, go, go get Peter. And when we're saying Peter, yes, the same Peter who denied Jesus three times, the same Peter who then after denying Jesus was then emboldened to declare the, the gospel and 3,000 people are saved. And the same Peter who in Acts chapter four said, we can't help but speak of what we have seen and heard. That Peter is the one who Cornelius gets a vision and, and God says to him, go get Peter. So, so Cornelius sends some men to Peter. And this brings us to our first concept today. We must learn to live in the tension of preparing and doing. As we grow as the church, as we see God is just getting started in what he's doing in us, we must live in the tension of preparing and doing. Sometimes I feel as if we've developed this view of faith that I'm just supposed to step out of the game, prepare, 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 then go do something. Oh, I'll go serve somewhere. Or I'll go, I'll go help out at this place. Or I'll go do this, but you know what? Now I'm drained. Now I got to go back and I got to prepare some more. And I got to prepare, prepare, prepare. I'm going to isolate. I'm going to pull away. I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to get out, but then I'm going to go do some more. And then I'm going to, and then, but from what I see in the early church in the book of Acts is we somehow have to figure out how is the church, we can live in this tension of preparing and doing. We have to learn how is it that we can be in the game, be productive, be doing the work that Christ has called us and created us to do, but also within that be listening and have the strategy at times being changed up a little bit. How can we, instead of compartmentalizing, oh, I got to go prepare now. Now I got to go do. Now I got to go prepare. Now I got to go do. How do we live in this tension of preparing and doing? Because oftentimes that's what we see in the early church. We see people who are listening to God, who are being prepped for him to do something, but they're also doing that in the midst of their doing. Because this is, this is where we pick up in Acts 10. The 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 Cornelius's men have been sent for, they've gotten to Peter, and Peter receives a vision. And in this vision, God is preparing him for something, but on the surface, this vision, it looks completely unrelated to anything that could be happening with Cornelius. If you're reading through Acts for the first time, you might think at first glance, why, why is this vision being included with this story about Cornelius? 
Thankfully, the author Luke begins to reveal that, but at first it seems a little bit out of place. Look at this vision that Peter receives in Acts chapter 10. And he saw the sky opened up, this Peter. He saw the sky opened up and an object like a great sheet coming down lowered by four corners to the ground. And there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. A voice came to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, we know this is Peter because he's arguing with God. By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. And again, a voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. This happened three times and immediately the object was taken up into the sky. Now, this is my kind of vision. A, A vision of, hey, Peter, these things that you thought you couldn't eat, you can eat them. Now, I know I have many friends who are vegan or vegetarian. I highly respect that decision. Most people who make that decision, they put a lot of thought into it, and I respect it. They put a lot of consideration into it. That's just not the life for me. So this, this kind of vision that Peter gets here, hey, Peter, you can eat, you can eat pigs, you can eat pork and sausage. And uh, if I'm Peter, this is, the, oh, yes, this is so exciting. When I, I, and whenever I'm eating somewhere, I, I typically say, like, what's the main thing? What, what's, what kind of meat are we having with this meal? Last year, I was on a friend's farm, and uh, we met his pet cow, Melvin. Melvin was a very friendly little cow. And then last month, I was at his house. He said, hey, we're having tacos tonight. We have ground beef with the tacos. It's Melvin. And I said, what? We're eating, and some of you are like, that's disgusting. You would eat an animal that you named. I said, I, it, hey, it's, it's delicious to me. So like the fact that Peter got this kind of vision, you can eat these pigs now, this is my kind of thing. Like Peter's, Peter, Peter's like, no, God, we can't do this. God's like, no, no, no. Things are changing. That old religious practice, things are changing. Things are different now. And at first, this appears to be completely random. Cornelius has a vision, go get Peter. Where we pick up with Peter, he gets this vision about things that are clean and unclean, specifically with animals. But for those of you in here who you've been following God for quite some time now, you know that God loves to take situations that seem completely random and out of context, and then bring, to you, bring you to a spot later in your life where you say to yourself, oh, that wasn't as random as I thought it was. That wasn't as out of context as it seemed at first. In fact, God is now bringing everything together now. I know for me, I, I know I've mentioned here before that for a while I worked at this place called Hook Shoes, but before I worked there, I worked at another smaller shoe store. And I would go in every day. It was just myself and another employee. And there was a couple other guys, but they worked like four hours a week. I never interacted with them. And my manager, he'd always be sitting in the back and he would just be sitting there. He'd stack up boxes of shoes, sitting on them, just playing, basically playing games and smoking cigarettes all day long. People would come in the store. He had the door closed. People would say, someone's smoking in here? I was like, no, no, this is a corporate store. You can't know, you know, you can't, we, 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 I was like, you can't know about that. No. Um, And I was trying to cover for him. But I would go in, and I would wait on like four or five customers a day. And I knew that I wanted to, you know, be a pastor and be in ministry. And I would just be on an eight-hour shift listening to this guy talk about current events, politics, uh, sports, whatever his thought or opinion was on this latest thing. And sometimes I would think, God, why this right now? This doesn't make any sense. 
I know where I want to be, but where you have me, I have to go. And I mean, I don't really, I'm not concerned about what his latest thoughts are about the presidency. Like I, I just, I, I, I don't really know. And it would just be all the time, all day long. And then God began to show me some things. I'm not a very patient person. I'm still working on that. I'm not a good listener. I'm still working on that. But in those moments, I think God was letting me know, hey, if you want to become a pastor, if you want to go into ministry, you got to learn to be patient. You have to learn how to listen. And so what seemed random at the time, what seemed out of context at the time, God began to bring that together and make sense of it. The last place I worked, I was at a church before I was here, and I worked in student ministry. And here's the other part of my job. I worked in senior adults ministry. And some people used to say to me, you are 25 years old. Why are you in senior adults ministry? I had to go to senior adults ministry every Thursday night. And I had to prepare hour-long Bible studies for senior adult ministry. And at first I would kind of be like, yeah, I mean, I love the people. They're really nice people. I, I, you know, and, but I would think, okay, yeah, I guess it doesn't make sense. But then once again, that thing that seemed out of context or didn't seem to make sense on the surface. And if God, you know, when you plant a church, when you start a church, you're going to have people who are in student ministry. You're going to have people who are in senior adult ministry. I had to prepare sermons and series. So preparing those hour long Bible studies, what seemed out of context, what seemed unordinary, what seemed strange was actually preparing me. And God was also using me in that season. So I was doing stuff, but in that doing, he was preparing me. Peter was already doing a good work. He was already furthering the gospel, but then he receives this vision that's preparing him for what's next. He's living in the tension of preparing and doing. And I just want to let you know that you might be having something happen in your life that seems out of context. It seems out of the ordinary, but don't worry. God will eventually bring it all together and you will see that he's actually doing something within that because that's what Peter's about to discover. He receives this vision and he's listening to God He's listening and moving with God. And he gets to this place where uh, the people from Cornelius have been brought to him. So he goes to Cornelius' house. He goes and he gets there. He arrives. And and he's he's there. And he starts to have a bit of an interaction with them. And here's where we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 10, verses 28 and 29. He says to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew, referring to himself, for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner. Or to, or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That is why I came without even raising any objection when I was sent for. So I asked for what reason you have sent for me. He said, God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. Where did that happen? It happened in that random vision about animals. On the surface, what seemed to be something just about eating, oh, you know, go eat a pig, Peter, you know? It was, it was about more than that. God was showing him something about humanity. What That vision that on the surface seemed like, oh, this is about this. It was actually about what God was doing within him in that moment to prepare him for what was next. So he gets to Cornelius and he realizes, oh, this vision wasn't just about food. It's also about people. It's also about something else that God is doing here. It's also, God is, and I guarantee you, Peter had to be an expert at figuring these things out because he had lived and walked with Jesus for three years. If you read the gospels, Jesus is an expert of, you ask him a direct question and he responds with a parable. And then it's, oh my, okay, I see the surface here, but there's more going on here. I see the surface, but there's more going on. So Peter, Peter had already been with Jesus for three years. He knew this is how God communicates. He loves to give these things with a surface meaning 
but then there's always more going on. So by the time he got this vision, there, he probably knew this is about this, but there's something else going on here because this is what God does. He gives these metaphors and stories and there's always a deeper meaning to what he's up to. And Peter gets to Cornelius and he begins to break down this wall that had existed for quite some time. In verse 33, Cornelius says to Peter, hey, Peter, why don't you just go ahead and speak and share with us what it is that God has commanded you? I'm Peter. I'm thinking, you sent for me to come here. You asked me to come here. Now you're telling, why don't you ask me what it is that you want me to share with you? You told me to come here. I get this feeling. I, wherever I'm, whenever I'm at a meal, people are like, Scott, you're the pastor. You should pray. It's like, I may not have a prayer to say right now. Maybe you should pray. You know, I mean, Scott, don't you have something to say about this? I might not have something to say about this. You know, but, you know, we're talking about this, this theology thing. You know, we're talking about this pastoral thing. We're talking about this thing with God. Don't you? I might, maybe I need to think about it as well. I know where Peter's at right now. Oh, Peter, you're the guy. Go ahead and share it with us. But Peter, he's, he's a bit of a better talker than me. And of course he had something to say. And he starts off his little talk with Cornelius and his friends like this. He said, opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. This is such a powerful statement. This would have been an earth shattering statement. This would have been a mind shatter, like a mind boggling statement to say, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. Some of your translations say, I understand now that God is not one to show favor. Peter's breaking down walls here with this statement. He said, because of the vision that God gave me and because he's living in the tension of God prepared me for this, but now I'm doing this, God, I know he doesn't show any favoritism. I know he doesn't show any, any partiality. This message of the gospel is for all people. It's not just for people who follow a certain religious structure or look a certain way. This is for all people. God shows no favoritism and things, they were bad in this world. They were bad in this world with the division. When, when, the, when the Jewish people were at their worst, they would refer to the Gentiles as baby killers who then took the fetuses and stuffed them in their floorboards. When the Jewish people were at their, I mean, when the, when the Gentiles were at their worst, they would refer to the Jewish people as entitled people who were lazy. They were entitled, oh, because they don't eat cheap meats like pork, so they think they're better than us. They're lazy, they want a day off every week. They call it Sabbath, they're lazy. So when these two groups were at their worst, they would say horrible things about one another. They would come up with horrible generalizations about one another and then spread them to other people. But thankfully, we have so matured 2,000 years later as humanity, and we would never, we would never be so polarized. We would never just assume things about another group of people and generalize it and then spread that to other people. We would never do that, right? No. I mean, come on. Like, this is what's so beautiful about these stories is that 2,000 years later, they still speak healing and hope to what it is that we're going through today. And there's no place for this polarization. There's no place for this division within the kingdom of God. Some of this stuff has got to stop, folks. Some of this stuff has got to stop. I mean, like, oh, it's not me, it's not me. I, I, I didn't even think I was going to share this story, but I'm going to share this story. And, and, I, and I hope it's not out of line, but I think it's going to be helpful. So I have, I have a close friend. Did I share the Frank Reich story before? Okay, good. So I have a close friend. When, when, uh, when Frank Reich, he's the coach of the Indianapolis Colts. And do, do any of you recall this past year after they played the Bills, he shared the gospel really clearly in the press conference about who Jesus is? Anybody here remember that? Anybody? Okay, good, good. So my friend called up another friend and said, hey, this is really cool. Frank Reich was sharing the gospel. You got to watch this video. 
my friend responded back, my, my, my friend's friend, so my friend shared about Frank Reich. <laughs> His friend responded back to him and said, I don't want to listen to anything that guy has to say because he knelt during the national anthem last year. It's like, we can't celebrate with another brother in Christ about what it is that Christ has done in their life because we disagree with them about a political stance that they took. This garbage has got to stop. This stuff has got to stop. And I, and I know that we as New Story, we haven't had a lot of that going on here, thank the Lord, but I'm just speaking against it right now because we can't have it here. And I never want it to be here. And we as the church have to be the voice of healing and unity and bringing people together in the name of Jesus. And we can't have that stuff. It's not appropriate. And so Peter is addressing this 2,000 years ago. We shouldn't have it happening here today either. And so Peter says that God shows no favoritism. He shows no partiality. And then Peter goes on to declare the gospel to this group of people who other people would have looked down on. And this is how he says, Peter said, we are all witnesses of the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible. God raised him on the third day and granted that he become visible. So he declares the gospel. People's lives are changed. And this group of people who everybody else was like, oh, God can't do anything with them. They then receive the Holy Spirit and God, God changes their lives and does a new work in that place. Because God doesn't show favoritism. He doesn't show partiality. And what he's preparing you to do now, he's preparing you to, it's, it's always preparing and doing, preparing and doing. And I don't have much more to say on, on the spirit with him, but I did have one more thought with that series, but it wasn't a whole message. And I felt like it fit this series. I felt like it fit this message right now. And so maybe it not won't. Maybe it's a bit of a rant that I'm about to go on, but I think it fits where we're going at. Because I hear so many people say things like this. Oh, I just need to get to this, this church experience. Or I just, I just need more. I just need this. I just need this spiritual thing. I just need to read this. I just need this from God. I need that. And I get it. We go through seasons where things are difficult and we really just need the presence of God to minister to us and be there for us. But I've said this time and time again, and I will say it over and over again, that the salvation that we receive is not just solely for us, but it's for others. It's for us to serve others, to love others, to demonstrate kindness towards others, to walk in the way of Jesus. And this, this language kind of gets in with the Holy Spirit sometimes where we say, oh, I just, need, I just need more of the Holy Spirit. I just need this spiritual experience. I just need that. And it's like, well, Paul, Paul writes this in Ephesians 5.18. He said, and do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, be filled with the Spirit. Let's be people who are filled with the Spirit. I wanna, I wanna see people who are filled with the Spirit at New Story Church. That's a beautiful and wonderful thing. I hope that we all walk full of the Spirit. But being filled with the Spirit is not about, oh, I just need to get to this experience so that I can be filled. And then I'll be filled, and then I'll just slowly get through the week. I'll go down and down and down, and then I'll get back to another experience, and I'll be filled up again. And then I'll go back to another experience, and I'll go down and down and down, and then I'll be filled up again because this is just all for me. The Holy Spirit is not a drug. The Holy Spirit is our guide and equipper. He is our energy. He is the power of God at work within us. So Paul says to be filled with the Spirit, but he doesn't end that with a period. He puts a comma there. He actually explains what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And it doesn't just mean, oh, I got to go have this deep spiritual experience all the time where I use all these big words that nobody knows. And, and then I just feel really good about myself. And then I just get through the week. I just get by and then I go get filled up again. No, to be filled in the Spirit actually means that you are filled up with something so that you can go live and love and serve others. So Paul goes on to say this in verses 19 through 20. He says, he says, uh, 
it'll be up on the screen. He said, when you're filled with the Spirit, you will be doing what? Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. To be filled with the Spirit doesn't just mean, oh, I got filled up, then I'm going to shrink down, then I'm going to go fill up again. No, to be filled with the Spirit means that there's a new type of life that you've been invited to live in. There's a new type of life that I've been invited to live in. And so when we're filled with the Spirit, we we're, it's not about something, oh, I got to get this. It's about who can I now become because the Spirit of God is within me. And those who are filled with the Spirit, what are they going to do? They're going to be speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. A general way of saying that, people who are filled with the Spirit are going to be speaking words of life and encouragement to one another, singing and making melody with your heart, always giving thanks. People who are filled with the Spirit are people who walk in a heart and a perspective of thankfulness. People who are filled with the Spirit in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. People who are filled with the Holy Spirit work in unity with other believers in the name of Jesus. Being filled with the Spirit is not just about, oh, I need to go get this for me. No, it's about who can I now become and how can I better love and serve others and live within that tension of preparing and doing. The Holy Spirit isn't there just to, oh, prepare me to get by and prepare me to get through the week. There are moments when that happens. He's our comforter. He's our healer. He's our peace in those moments. But oftentimes the preparation that he's given to you, the vision that he's given to you, just as he gave one to Peter, was for you to go and do and to serve others, to sing with others, to encourage others, to build others up. So whether it's a vision or a dream you've received like Peter, whether it's a weird interaction that you had that seemed out of context, whether it's a season of life that you're in, that preparation is preparing you for the doing and the acting and the moving that God has called you to. And it's never just for you. It's always for someone else. And second concept, we must declare the vision that we have been given to those who cannot yet see it. We must declare the vision we have been given to those who cannot yet see it. Peter was given this vision. He then lived in the reality of the vision. And he began to then go and declare the vision to those who could not yet see it. When we first started News Story, I was going around in like 2019 trying to ask people, hey, would you be willing to give financially to this new church? And I had a friend ask me a few weeks ago, he said, how did you get people to raise money for something that they couldn't even see yet? And it wasn't always easy. Some people were just so encouraging. It was unbelievable. They'd be like, yes, we see this. We get this. We want to be a part of this. And some people would say, yes, we can give financially. Some people would say, hey, we can't give, but we can pray for you. I was like, yes, we'll take the prayers. We need all the prayer we can get. And so whatever it was, there were then occasionally some people though, do, you guys, do we really need another church? Um, you know, there were, there were all, my favorite ones were the people who would say, here's what I think a church should do. I would say, great, you should go start a church too. I didn't actually say that to them, but that's what I was thinking. Uh, you know, all these different thoughts. And it was not always easy to declare a vision to people who couldn't, who like, you know, it wasn't always easy because I could see it. And I was like, this is where I think God is taking us. And as we began to grow as a church and we've seen all the different sides of who we can become. Our vision has stayed the same, but we've even been talking about how, wow, we're doing this. We didn't know we'd be doing that. And we're, we've seen this and we didn't know that we would see that. And we've had these kind of interactions. We didn't know. And, and God is developing so much within this church that we didn't even see. We were the ones who thought we had vision on our lead team. There's things happening here that we didn't even think we would see. I bet that was happening with Peter. 
He saw a miracle in Acts chapter 2 with Pentecost, and then he gets to Acts chapter 10. He's thinking, wow, I'm seeing things now that I didn't even think I would see because there's so many different sides to this church. There's so many different, there's so many different angles to who God is, and there's so much of what he wants to develop within us. Because Peter then goes back to, to his people back in Jerusalem, and of course he runs into some critics. Acts chapter 11. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? When you start living in the reality of the vision, when you start living in this tension of preparing and doing, and then you go and declare the vision that God has given you and the vision you've already seen at work, just as Peter already saw at work within Cornelius, there's always going to be some wonderful people standing on the sidelines telling you, though, there's no way that could be God. Oh, is this some really, Peter, is that really, is this really what's going on? You know, uh, you're eating with these uncircumcised, you know, there's always people, oh, this is our system. This is how we do things. This is it. And don't get me wrong. We, we respect many different traditions of faith here at New Story Church. We respect that there are other people who are Christ followers who, who do things differently than us on a Sunday morning or who do different things than us throughout the week. There's so many different denominations and groups and we are all one in Christ. That is a beautiful thing. But there are always going to be those who don't really see the fullness of that vision, who stand off to the side and say, oh, you know, I, I just, you guys just could, you could not possibly be doing it the right way. Or, you know what, that kind of music, that could never glorify God. Or, you know what, that, that, type, of pre, that, that type of preaching doesn't work. And, you know what, Peter, you may have saw that, but Peter, I mean, who do these guys think they are? Yeah, Peter, we know that you walked with Jesus for three years, but there's no way. You're doing the wrong thing. Like, who, who are these guys? There's always going to be some wonderful religious people standing off to the side who can tell you about what God is doing and how you're not a part of it. But Peter has the perfect response to them. He goes on to explain to them everything that God did in Cornelius' place. And he says, this is, this is going to be my new life verse. He says this, Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I? that I could stand in God's way. Who was I? Some translations say, who was I to hinder God? Who was I to stand in God's way? I pray that that would be the heart of this church, that it'd be the heart of your everyday life, that it'd be the heart of who we become as a community. Who are we to stand in God's way? When he's doing a new thing, when he's revealing to us things that we never thought that we'd see before, when he's revealing to us things that we didn't even know that he could do, that we would not be people who say, well, that, that couldn't be God because you know what? That just doesn't fit the, you know, what we've been doing for the past 30 years. No, who are we to stand in God's way? Who am I to stand in God's way? We are just getting started. And the new work that he's beginning in your life and in all of our lives, who are we to stand in his way? Who are we to stand in God's way? You, we have to be willing to declare that vision and people will always push back even though Peter can say, hey, Cornelius' life was changed. I saw this happen. People are still gonna say, oh, you know, you, you went with those people and Peter said, no, who am I to stand in God's way? May we never be people who stand in God's way, but may we always have open hearts and minds to the spirit of God who will interrupt like a rushing wind and he'll interrupt and do unexpected things and we will see him continue to change people's lives like never before. Luke goes on to record this. Luke who wrote Acts. He, he, he writes this in Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 20. 
after Peter shares with these people. He said, so then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jewish people alone, to the Jews alone. But there were some of them, there were some of them, there will always be as much pushback as you get as you start moving forward into the life that God has called you to live, there's always going to be somebody who catches it. Because remember, this isn't for you. This is for others. And what God is doing through you, he wants you to share with other people so you can continue to serve them as Christ has called us to serve others. And there were some of them. There were some of them. But some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks, also preaching the Lord Jesus. You see, there were some of them who went to the Greeks to preach the Lord Jesus. There were some of them who said, Peter, we get that vision. We see that vision. And because of your boldness to share it, we are now going to go along with what it is that God has called you to do. There were some of them who saw it. There were some of them who got it. There were some of them who realized that when God is just getting started, he's going to do some unexpected things. And there's going to be some things that he develops within his church. There's going to be people he develops within his church who we think, oh my goodness, they're here. Yes, they are here because guess what? Jesus died for them just as much as he died for every single one of us. And so, yes, there are going to be some things that, are hap- that happen that are unexpected. But this is how God moves in the world. So may, may we not get in God's way. May, may we not get in God's way. And may we take up our cross and following Christ and live in that tension of preparing and doing, listening to God and moving with him. May we boldly declare the vision that God has placed on our hearts. And may we as a church not feel, you don't have to feel like you're doing that in isolation. You don't have to feel like you're doing that alone, but may we come together and do that together and encourage one another and build one another up and become the church that God has called us to be. If you're taking notes, I have two application questions for you today. What has God been preparing you to do? Maybe you could write it down as a prayer. Say, Holy Spirit, what have you been preparing me to do? What has he been doing within you? And in that doing, he is preparing you and there's something that he's called you to do. Holy Spirit, what have you been preparing me to do? The second question is this. What vision have you been called to declare? What vision have you been called to declare? What is it that you've seen God do that you know you have to go share it with others? You have to let others know about this is who God is and this is what he's doing. What vision have you been called to declare to go share with others so that they can experience the same grace that you have experienced? What what has he been preparing you to do? What vision has he given you? My prayer is that we would be a church, that we never stand in God's way, but we would be open to the movement of the Holy Spirit to continue to become the church that he's asked us to be, that we would always be moving forward with him, and that through that we would see the life, the abundant life, and the new creation.